Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Good evening, Steve. Uh, I am the executive editor of In Real Deep, and in this country, we, res- we respect directors. <laughs> That is a quote from the hit film Inglorious Bastards that we will be talking about today. You didn't quote Death Proof last time, so I want to make sure people aren't confused or surprised by your proclivities to quote a movie in our in our intro. Uh, I did. I had to work. I, I think I did, but I, I was oh, yeah, very, very fatigued. Very fatigued that night. Uh, I had to work <laughs> extra hard to get it in there. We had to work extra <clears throat> hard to come up with 28 minutes of Death Proof conversation <laughs> in the first place, so you weren't alone in that regard. I think lot. that's just... It's just proof that we're windbags that we got 28 minutes out of that movie because there really ain't ain't 28 minutes there. No, but luckily there is 28 minutes and more to spare in this particular feature film. We are back. We are working our way slowly but surely through Quentin Tarantino's filmography. And that, as I said, brings us to... I think the most interesting movie we're going to talk about on this list, certainly one we've you and I have both seen many, many times, but a hugely ambitious sort of a culmination of Quentin Tarantino's career in a lot of ways and and notably now the first time that he's really chosen to play with this revisionist history sort of format which he's weirdly gone back to many many times in his career again I'm referring to Inglorious Bastards the 2009 war film starring Brad Pitt starring Christoph Waltz starring Eli Roth Michael Fassbender, Diane Kruger, <laughs> Daniel Bruhl, a great great cast and Andrew I think Mike Myers Oh, Mike Myers, some, Mike Myers, some fat guy playing Winston Churchill. Yeah, they got everybody yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, Andrew, <clears throat> the one thing we should talk about in this movie, the one question I want to talk to you about more than anything, is this the best Quentin Tarantino movie? If you remember fans of this movie who've seen it recently, it ends with Brad Pitt looking directly into a camera and saying, you know what, this might be my masterpiece. And he smiles yeah. and BJ Novak smiles yeah. and we go to the end credits. Uh, a lot of people assume Quentin was saying something there. Whether he was or not, I think this is certainly in the running in that conversation. And I'm curious now that we've seen it again, where it stands for you. Well, I mean, I think I think he thinks it is. I mean, I'm going to take that last line literally, uh, and I'm basing <laughs> that also off of uh, off of uh, the the quote we spent a lot of that 28 minutes on Death Proof talking about, which is showed that this is someone who's very keenly aware of his own of his own legacy. Uh, I I don't know that I have an answer. Maybe we'll talk through it, and but I'm not. I feel kind of uncomfortable even actually making that call because because I really love this movie and I really love Pulp Fiction, um, and they're both they're they're just very different as you point out in terms of their their ambition. Maybe I need to have a couple drinks and and uh, and figure it out what with you. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not, honestly. I'm not. I don't, I don't know how I feel. I think I think I could be swayed either way, or I might get to the end of this episode and be like i don't have to choose (laughs) that would be a cop-out for sure i mean you're allowed to say that i'm not gonna hold your feet to the fire too much but i want to get i want to work a definitive answer out of both of us and like you said a few drinks and a little banter might might unlock the keys to our hearts in that regard in terms of drinks let's do the beverage of choice segment andrew what are you consuming tonight as we record this podcast uh Today I am uh, I, I am consuming a Wicked Weed Pernicious India Pale Ale, which uh, I would really like to hear Christoph Waltz pronounce this beer, because um, I think he w- it would be fun to hear him say it. But that's what I that's what I've got for now. 
That sounds delicious. I was hoping to have a big old glass of milk because I thought that would be very relevant and pertinent, but then I did not want to drink milk at 6.50 p.m. Though that's a reasonable time to drink milk, but it just really didn't. It just, I just, just The idea of like pouring it and then actually having to drink it while we talked did not seem like it would be the best for my, <laughs> for my speaking ability or my general happiness. So I'm drinking a glass of... La Granja Tempera Neo. I'm probably butchering that horribly. It's a it's a Spanish red wine. I apologize to any uh, Spanish speakers who know how horribly I butchered that word. But it's a Trader Joe's wine. It's cheap. It's wonderful, and it is very suitable for this conversation we're about to have right now. Just in terms of its lubrication uh, abilities uh, and its deliciousness. Not a re- not a Riesling or something French. I mean, <laughs> no, no, that would have been way no. more on brand. But I did not have uh, that accessible yeah. at the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I don't want to lie yeah. to our fans and act like I'm drinking something I'm not. That'd be disingenuous. So, a big, just just a big glass of milk. It'll sound like you have a cold. Fifteen minutes into the episode, and, yeah. yeah. Big peanut butter <laughs> sandwich, big glass of milk, and then talk on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right? That would be good. perfect. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew. Let's talk about Inglorious Bastards. This I remember seeing this movie in theaters. And I remember in 2009 when it came out, and I remember walking out of the theater and thinking this was my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Obviously, that was 10 years ago. Uh, I Once I had a time to settle, it is not necessarily at the top of the ranks, but I will say, as we sort of noted uh, a very brief while ago, it is, at, at, at that moment, it was its mo- his most ambitious in terms of storytelling broadness, in terms of multiple well-fleshed-out interesting characters. It's just, it feels like the culmination of a lot of stuff he'd been building to, and then tying it into the war angle, which is certainly something he had never taken on to that point, and it just, it just feels like so much. Like, it is, it is so much, but it is never overwhelming. It is, there's a lot going on, and you're never um, confused or uncertain as to what is going on. The characters are unbelievably charming, and it might be his best screenplay, and that's really saying something, given what he's put out there, but I just love the way all these people live in this world. I love the way they interact. I love how often they come in contact with each other. Like, it all culminates in such an explosive, literally explosive moment. Like, there is just so much to like here that it's it's overwhelming to try and pick something to start with. Yeah. When I start to think about this movie, I always start with Christoph Waltz because, I mean, this is kind of the movie that introduced him to us. Um and I mean that's a natural place to start because because of the opening scene. I mean, well, the whole movie, but I, I mean, especially the opening scene is just like this spellbinding, you know, fifteen minutes or so. I mean, like, and it's kind of banal, other than you know what you know is or what you think is going to happen. But I think the thing that I struck me, like, I, I almost, I, I almost, I think I almost over induct indexed on waltz in my memory like he's obviously a key part of the movie and to a degree he makes it go but um to your point like there there are this there is this rich tapestry of characters you know uh, brad pitt is great um i think you pointed out in the notes you sent over to me before like this this is the movie that basically introduced michael fassbender to us and like he's probably the biggest star right now um of all those people i think brad pitt career wise is probably the biggest star but not a leap there um but uh but (laughs) fassbender is like right now the guy who's like getting a lot of the roles and um and 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 on down the list i mean you know there's a bunch of there's a bunch of great great um 
parts in this in this movie. Um, and I guess I I think I forgot about it a little. I forgot about how good um, Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt's character is. It I mean from the name Aldo Rain to um, the fact that he says he's a direct descendant of Jim Bridger, which is a tip to uh, if you Jim Bridger is one of the characters in um, The Revenant. Um, so he's 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 tapping into this American uh, Western psyche, which I mean everyone knows is kind of there with this the sound. I mean it's just it is it it is great. I think if I had to start to sort through this movie versus Pulp Fiction, I would say the highs in this movie, the the truly great sort of cinematic moments are I would say higher than in Pulp Fiction I don't know that it quite strings together scene after scene after scene after scene uh, like Pulp Fiction does in this like you know sort of um, narrative but I don't know that it doesn't either really <laughs> I just know that like, like that there's a couple others in there that you kind of mentioned the the scene in the bar and then the, the conclusion that are just fantastic i mean for so many reasons they're funny they're tent they're tense and so i i that's that's if i'm going to start to parse between the two of them i guess that's that's where i'd start but again i don't then it becomes a question of do you you know do you reward it do you reward a, a reward a film for its very best moments or do you reward it for being consistent you know slightly more consistent i don't know it's like it doesn't really matter that's kind of why i'm like gonna maybe weasel out of your choice <laughs> <laughs> well, Pulp Fiction definitely does more with less, and you know, and you can take that to mean many things. Obviously, less budget, just less ambition in the sense that it does not try and cover World War II, Adolf Hitler, the extermination, right, right, right. the attempted extermination of Jews. Like, there's just so many things Tarantino's biting yeah. off here, and you know, if, if, and I, I think we all reward him for his ambition in that regard because, like you said, though it is not immaculate in how it comes together. I think there's a satisfying element of Pulp Fiction of how the pieces do intertwine, or like maybe you don't realize they're going to intertwine in Pulp Fiction, the, at least yeah. the first time you see it until they do, and then it's such a treat to see, like, you know, I remember seeing, mm -hmm. you know, uh, John Travolta in Bruce Willis's bathroom and that. You didn't know that was coming mm -hmm. necessarily at all. And yeah. You're like, whoa! Yeah. And then he kills him, and you go, holy yeah. shit, this character is dead! Like, yeah. I did not... So, yeah. there's, there's a... Yeah. In 1994, that was a whole different sort of thing to see, and in 2009, a, a Quentin Tarantino movie sort of meant something so you are not surprised to see non-linear storytelling and things bouncing around and and he was getting more grandiose after kill bill so there was there was a little more that was predictable in this but again not in a bad way and like and you said the, the three scenes that really are amazing you mentioned christoph waltz in the beginning there's the whole basement bar scene sequence i don't call it a scene because it goes on for so long but <laughs> that there's 20 minutes down there and then there's everything in the theater at the end which is both <laughs> funny and violent and <laughs> I don't know, like the perfect culmination of the story. There's just so many things happening there. I think, you know, if, if we are going to, I think you do have to look at those scenes to a certain extent and just say they're three of the greatest sequences he's ever put together. And Absolutely. That's yeah. really yeah. impressive for a career like his to, you know, almost undoubtedly say that those are three of his best sequences. Like, it's hard not to look at that sort of movie and say, wow, like this all, it just, there's, there seems like there's so much room for error in this. And we take for granted a little bit that it came together so wonderfully and we like it so much. Like, I remember before it came out, like, I was super excited for it, but you, you hadn't seen Brad Pitt do something like this before. You didn't know who Christoph Waltz was. You didn't know who Michael Fassbender was. There were a lot of question marks before it, uh, it came out. And now all of a sudden it's just so baked into our lives. Of course, Inglorious Bastards is tremendous. Like, how could it not be? But yeah. like you said, a lot of these people were non-entities and question marks before it was released. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it's interesting. I think you put in the notes like it's he's got to have three of his ten best scenes or something. I don't know. I mean, we're not going to go through the exercise of ranking them, but like, I think that's true. Like, whatever is three of the top ten or three of the top, you know, whatever the number is, um, which is amazing because the guy has a great filmography as we've been discussing for months now and uh even on the movies that uh you know i i I don't think you and i would rank even even close to the top two you know like a kill bill or whatever there are still some really great scenes in those movies you know so like like for us to be sitting here and going like there's three of the best you know like maybe a third of the best scenes the guy's ever done are all in one movie um it speaks to the speaks to the the power, the power of the, of the movie, and I do think you know, we talked about this a little bit on the on the one on once in a on once upon a time in Hollywood, and I think you even mentioned it in another in another episode, but um, maybe it was that one actually. Um, but this there there is it's not just ambitious in the turn in the in the sense of taking on like you know putting Hitler in your story like literally. Uh, I mean that's by its nature kind of an ambitious thing to do. Um, it, it is like even beyond that sort of ambitious thematically. I mean, I think you, uh, the thing I'm thinking back to is you said, um, you know, or maybe it was you or Tom, I don't even remember, but uh, he, that he, 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 he doesn't accept sort of victimhood. And certainly that's a big part of this movie, you know, the Shoshana character and Jewish vengeance, right? Like is, 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 is brought to life here. I know it's an alternate history, but I think the other thing that I kind of wrote down as I started to think through um, uh, the movie is like, he actually in some ways is sort of re- rehabilitating or, or reapplying the, the like sort of uh, ethos and character of the, like the frontiers, the American frontiersman to a totally different um, realm. And I don't know if he's making the argument that that helped us win world war two exactly, but like there's lines in here with Aldo rain, literally asking for, you know, Nazi scalps. And, you know, I mean, he's changing one word, you know, Indian scalps to Nazi scalps. And in in so doing, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like let's scalp those Nazis. No one, no one's like, no one's like, don't scalp the Nazis. Um, And, you know, I think that too is interesting, like that he, he thematically tries for that, which, whereas I don't like with, with the, with a movie like Pulp Fiction, I think we talked about this. It's it's so great, but I don't know that there's like that that thematic ambition too, which is maybe what you're saying when you use that word ambition. So, no, I actually <clears throat> hadn't thought of it that way, and I think that's a really good point, and it does illustrate, you know, that over time, I think he has pondered a little more what he's going for and he's not one for subtlety which we've talked about many times but there is something great about the Brad Pitt Alder Rain character and his band yeah. of you know 10 to 12 mostly short stubby Jewish dudes <laughs> but there's no yeah. like but, but but Aldo is not dismissive towards them or mean towards them in the least like they're best mm-hmm. buds like he mm-hmm. he want he wants to impart his you know sort of said his like frontier lifestyle onto them and like he's found an outlet for it he knows they need 
need and wants and desire this very strongly, and they're just like the perfect partners. <laughs> and there's just like even though the bastards don't as as like a duo are not really involved in the movie in a lot of ways, they're mostly just there mm-hmm. as window dressing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've read that they filmed more and had some lines and sequences, and they just all got cut, which probably wasn't mm-hmm. the best. You know, a lot of them don't need to be in it. Like B.J. Novak has a great sequence near the end. Omar Doom is great in the whole theater sequence at the end, where him and Eli Roth yeah. have some great. Eli Roth is obviously this movie single-handedly made me like Eli Roth. I just thought <laughs> he just he has this whole he just seemed like such an asshole, like such a pretentious dick in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like you know, he just he had this air about him where I just found him to be a little insufferable in hearing him talk. And then he's just great in this. And you're like, wow, I actually you know maybe he's not a good person in real life, but I enjoy this role so much that I can't dislike the dude anymore. Like they it's it's just such a there, there's stuff going, like you said, even though he's, or like I said, he's not the most subtle dude, but there is stuff percolating under the surface in this that, that informs a lot of it. That is, it's not buried really deep, but it's, it's, it's more than a lot of his other movies where what you're seeing is pretty much what you're getting. And this one, right. there's a little bit more going on. There's Christoph Waltz's character is the most charming, funny character in the entire movie. And also a sadistic, horrible monster <laughs> who should, who should be on like top villain lists of all time. You know, like there's, there's some complexity here that he's, certainly achieved in some ways before but just probably not on this particular scale yeah yeah and um you know i, I yeah i'm glad you brought up waltz because i kind of glossed over him and because i really i wanted to talk about how great the performances are there but man we got to talk about him i mean just some of the, the i wrote down some of his lines but like when i write them down they don't they don't um they don't come off the page because of the delivery that he like there's one line where he says i love rumors and i wrote that down but i wrote it down and i read it and i'm like well that doesn't sound that interesting <laughs> but it's, you, you know what the, if you know the part i'm saying he says oh i love rumors i'm gonna do a very bad christoph waltz impression now but like and and he delivers it with such like panache and gusto and like commitment um and then you know the, the one i think the one that's really great later is when he says "Ooh, that's a bingo and then he like asks if that if, that, if he said that right i mean it's just yeah, he like calms down for he, a second he's like did i say that right is that like he like the way he yeah, switches yeah. gears so quickly there mm-hmm. is just brilliant yeah and like he's so i mean i he did i believe win an academy award for this and then he wins an academy award for the next uh his next tarantino role and then like I don't know. He hasn't really done that much since then. So I'm like, is this guy, you know, one of my favorite lines about, about this and by any reviewer or critic that I've ever read is, is Roger Ebert saying that he felt like Christoph Waltz was born to deliver Quentin Tarantino lines. And I, I really do feel like that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Is, is this kind of like, uh, you know, Michael K. Williams and, and Omar Little in The Wire, where it, like it be, the character becomes so iconic that it's almost hard to <laughs> allow them to have a career beyond that. I mean, it's just so it's he's so great. He's just so great. And like you said, he he's like the most charming character in the movie uh even when he's like eating strudel in this menacing way and uh, i mean it's just it's just a it's just a great it's just a great performance um, you say that cause uh, i was going i was i wasn't going to correct you but i was you know in my head he has not had that bad of a career since then but i'm looking at his filmography right now and it's very bad like Django, yeah. 
is solid. And then he just and like he was in Big Eyes, so he did a Burton movie. He was in Spectre, that was big, but Spectre was terrible. Like he made Downsizing, which was bad. He made almost everything he's made has either been he's been fine in it, but it's been inconsequential, or the movie itself has been yeah. terrible and he gets sort of caught up. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing he's done since then that has any sort of oomph to it. It's crazy. Like I, I but I mean I'm sure if you're gonna peak early and he was early is a weird thing on him because he's 63 years old, so he peaked when he was yeah. 53. Like that's not too bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. but it yeah. is notable. I just did not realize to the extent that he like I remember when they said he was Inspector, I got really excited because I said, oh man, like what a great villain he's probably going to be in this movie and then there's just nothing to work with so maybe it is one of those things that if he wasn't born to do tarantino dialogue at least he has benefited from it as much as anyone in tarantino's filmography and since then you can just use him as sort of a control to see the, the difference between a tarantino written movie and a movie written by pretty much anybody else and see how little they make this guy you know work as, as well as as good as he should be in all of these things he's subpar and you know it's there with him so it's not it's not a matter of you know Walt. I mean, maybe he's not giving his all every time, but you do have to question at a certain point, who's directing and writing these other movies when they're getting such a lukewarm Christoph Waltz? Right, right. Well, and like, I mean, that's like, he's such a gifted d- deliverer of lines. It's like, it's a, which is a weird thing to say, and uh, I guess it's... <laughs> uh, sort of, yeah. I know exactly but, what you mean, but that is sort of the job. He, but yeah, but he's good at the job. I, well, I mean, like, I guess in comparison, right, we talked about in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood how Margot Robbie barely delivers any lines, and we both really loved her performance there, right? Um, so there is, like, acting is not just delivering lines, but in the case of Christoph Waltz, like, at least for these two movies, and like you said, thank you for thank you for checking before disagree- disagreeing with me. I was like, oh, yeah, Green Hornet was great, huh? Yeah, um no, uh, he 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 really hasn't done too much else, and but I, he, but I, I I can't sit here and go like, oh, he's he maybe he's not a good actor because that just seems ridiculous when you watch him in this role. <laughs> like he's clearly got something going for him. Um, I and so I. I just I don't know I don't know what to make of the rest of his career and I don't really want to spend the rest of our time talking about that but you know it, it is it is interesting um, that you know two time two time Academy Award winner and then you know I don't think he's done much done much else but I think that's a tribute to Tarantino to him and just great casting I mean. <laughs> yep. Like oh, absolutely. I can't imagine I can't imagine that that role or that movie with without him in it. I mean it's 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 difficult to difficult to fathom. And he's not <clears> alone <throat> in that regard. We touched on this already talking about Fastbender, talking about some of the other people in it, Brad Pitt, but this is this is the, the way this movie is written and and everyone in it seems to understand this to an eerie extent. It moves so fl- quickly and effortlessly in between being like campy absurd bullshit and being serious tension filled moments you know it's just like the whole basement scene we just we talked about like that the way that scene ends with characters putting their guns on each other's dicks and saying my guns on your dick my guns on your dick and it's funny and you laugh and then they all murder each other and it's really and and the tension building up to that has been so 
wild for 20 minutes, roughly, probably. And then they put guns, and then everyone has a laugh, and they kill each other, and then their people are poking <laughs> holes, and like it just it just moves so quickly beyond these tones. And like I think that's another talking about ambition. I think that's another thing that I I don't understand how he does that. Like I don't know how it's just so you couldn't. I don't think you could even write it down or explain to someone exactly how to be good at that. Is to have this movie yeah. that somehow can be those two things at the same time, and the audience does not feel confused or overwhelmed or uncertain about how to proceed. Like I'm sure you felt this way in movies before, where you're like, "What is this movie going for? Like, am I supposed to be scared? Am I supposed to be laughing? Am I supposed to be? Is it supposed to be a drama? Like a lot of times, movies you just don't really know what they're trying to do. And this yeah. one, it doesn't matter. Like you just sort of let back, and he moves you, and he moves you where you need to be with such ease. You just have a great time. Like there's something about a filmmaker who can do that that is just really one of the most wonderful things when you're watching something. Yeah, and it, it it's funny you say that. It did this didn't really strike me until just now and, and you 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 putting the, this together, helping me put this together. But um I think when we talked about pulp fiction and definitely when we talked about Jackie Brown, I the, the one of the things I really like about those two movies is that <clears throat> um there there are these like key shocking plot moments uh in both of those films. But a lot of the fun of them is actually that you are that they're that, that they pu- sort of punctuate like long scenes of just the characters like shooting the shit to a degree. Um, and I wouldn't say Inglorious Bastards doesn't have that, but it it definitely moves you along at a much quicker pace. Like there isn't really this space to like kind of rest your mind. To your point, you don't like you don't really need to. And in fact, like uh, when you're behind enemy lines in Nazi Germany, there really shouldn't be any time to rest to a degree. Like <laughs> it's it's different when Vincent and Jules are like riding around in a you know in a sedan in Los Angeles. There 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 is time to like talk about what they call a Big Mac in in France. There there is no time to talk about what they call a Big Mac in France in 1944. So, uh, so I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting contrast there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I talked to my friends and obviously this is easy for me to say, cause I'm not a screenwriter or a director, but I like bringing out to my friends how absurd the idea is to me of directing or writing multiple movies. I always say yeah. like, if I had to sit down and you gave me a year and you were like, write a movie or like prepare, or, like learn how, or like even direct a movie to a certain, like, I feel like I might be able to cobble one. I might be able to cr- create one movie. Like that was decent. Like it's, I, I'm not saying I could even, I'm, I'm just saying like, it's theoretically possible that I could have enough ideas and thoughts in my head to do one movie and then to have someone right after that go that was great do another one i'd be like what the fuck yeah. like no absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. Like, i have no yeah. more ideas yes. so when you just said yeah. that it makes me think of like pulp fiction as this movie where tarantino has all these conversations and dialogue and thoughts in his head and you know that, that come out so effortlessly in that way because he's just not thinking grandiose like he's been just thinking how can i mm-hmm. work within the realm of what i have some some stars and a little bit of money but like you know I'm still just sort of uh, you know a cool dude but still some dude and make this into something special and after that it's just you know it started getting bigger and bigger and his ambition grew and his skills grew and now he's in this part like you said like where there's no there's no chewing scenery there's no wasting time every dialogue scene to some extent moves either character development or plot along but it is all purposeful and taught and 
and intriguing and well done. And like, there's something to be said for that. To, 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 to watch the movies we've watched, to watch this guy's career move, you know, movie to movie to movie, and to see him go to something like this, where there is not a weight, there's not really any fat on it at all, though it's big and it's long and. There, the, you, you've seen this guy kill time before in really entertaining ways. He's not a time killer anymore, and that's just a really fascinating evolution to take in and and realize that in a lot of ways it's the same guy, but he really has sort of changed his approach so much, and he stepped up to that challenge of can you make one more? He's like, yeah, I can make eight more. Like, yeah, I got a bunch of ideas. Like, they'll be different, but they will still be mine. Yeah, well, and and I mean, even more to the point, too, It's it's almost – it's not even like – it's not even could he do another Pulp Fiction. It's like it, it doesn't even matter because, again, like to me, it's like setting in time and place and and context. And like if you put a movie in 1943 or 44 behind enemy lines, France, uh you shouldn't be allowing your characters to shoot the shit. Like what, what is even the, like that doesn't make sense. Even if you're going to play with the historical, (laughs) the historical (laughs) accuracy in the historical timeline, it doesn't like, it it doesn't, that doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's him doing, um, doing what's right by the, by the film, which is sort of a Western war film smashed together. And, um, you know, it's, it's great. I still don't have an answer and I'm going to just keep talking. I still don't have an answer. What I like more of this is Pulp Fiction. So I'm just going to keep going until you force me to. I wanted to say too, that, you know, we've talked a lot on these Carantino episodes about his casting of women, his dialogue for women, his just overall depictions of women in his movies. And this movie does not, necessarily isn't a super step forward for him in that regard, but two of the main female roles, Diane Kruger as, as Bridget von Hammersmark and, and Melanie Lorenz as Shoshana, they are both hugely important to the plot, and are, and the, both women are great. I knew Diane Kruger from Troy, which was such a mess for her, and she's charming and wonderful in this. Melanie Laurent is the whole cr- emotional crux of the movie. She is the she is really the, the number one hero you're rooting for the entire time, and I don't say he, like, I wouldn't say he has figured out how to write for women or how to, but two really good, well-thought-out important female roles is another step in the right direction for him, and they're both great in it, and, like, so this is definitely the kind of movie where you know it's not like they're taking the front you know it's not like they're getting center stage following after death proof and after kill bill but it they're both really well-written characters like they're not throwaways they're not they're not accessories by any means they are really relevant to what's going on and everyone and the creation of them and the acting of those characters are both really great yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't have too much to add there uh yeah i just i just completely agree and like it is interesting for you to point out the you know that there is sort of like there's definitely less screen time for women, uh, obviously. Like in the, the when you compare the two, justifiably so the two. in World War Two. Like that's not that's another right. good reason to make a right. World War Two movie if you prefer male he, actors. Yeah, but I, I but I do think he like he puts uh, he puts the the you know he puts Hammer's Mark and um, and Shoshana on on equal footing with their the 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 sort of male their male counterparts in a in a way that like you know he probably didn't really do in a lot of other movies yeah and i guess maybe just sort of like it's it is kind of like jackie brown-esque right in terms of like jackie brown's like kind of the only 
woman in that movie, but she's very, obviously very, very strong. She's the title character. She's <laughs> strong and in- integral um, to the film. And so like, you know, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I hesitate. We don't want to give praise where it isn't due here, but um, it's, it's certainly, he certainly sh- showed the, the ability to write compelling female characters. And like you said, Shoshana is the, 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 she's like a total badass. Um, she killed and, the war like, hero. A, she, she, she slays yeah, the great Daniel yeah. Bruhl, who was also another guy yeah. who came of to, you know, Hollywood fame, at least yes. in this movie. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's a good, it's a good little movie. It's a good little movie. <laughs> it's a good little movie. It yeah. is a very good. So would you say at least if we're not going to pick and choose one, would you say this and Pulp Fiction are the two? Be- I know you and I have had conversations before about best versus favorite. Cause this yeah. is a term we try and apply objectively, at least on in real deep. We try <laughs> and say the best movies of the year are the, the most technically emotionally, whatever you want to describe it, but just like the most well-made uh, movies that tap into whatever. Well, favorite can be like, I like rush hour Two. Like that is not a great movie, <laughs> but I think rush hour Two is one of the finest films ever made. So let's say in terms of best trying to be objective, would you say Pulp Fiction and the glorious bastards are the two best movies he's ever made? Yes. Okay. That's yeah, pretty good. I think, I think that's I think that's a very I think that's super accurate. That's clear clear cut and I uh I, I like honorable mention Jackie Brown. Um which and I think, I think and I think not, no spoilers, I think that'll be the way we feel when we're all done these as well too. So Probably. And I think I think Jackie Brown, like it's a, it actually surprised me that I you know, I remember feeling fond fondness for that film and uh uh I'm glad I still do, I guess. Like, I think that's the, that's, that's what, that's the most surprising thing maybe of all, all of our, all of our accounting. Um, I, I really, I literally feel like, like right now I feel like I'd, I'd go Inglorious Bastards as the best of all of his works, but I literally feel like it's, it, it may, lit- it, it may be just what, what have I seen more recently? Like, honestly, I feel like if I got done with this and I popped in Pulp Fiction right now and I could stay awake to to watch it i'd be like no way pulp fiction's better and then i could just go <laughs> back and forth like i really you know i don't i don't know um i, I don't i don't know where i don't know where to where to fall on that um but like right now i'm like feeling like yeah i don't know and just because of the just because of the like i i like ambition i i would say i err toward more towards that right like um and i think this is a very ambitious movie without it um you know, without it being, you know, when, sometimes when I think of ambition, I think of like some of the misfires of Christopher of a Christopher Nolan, right? Like, you know, where it's it's just too it's just too much for one film to contain, and that's not the case here. It, it is very ambitious, but it gets everything done that it needs to get done, um, and and there is more meat there than 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 Pulp Fiction, which is an incredibly enjoyable film to watch, um, and probably from start to finish is like you know, nearly perfect, I guess. Um, but, but now we're just, now we're just getting into like semantics and taste (laughs) and how do you, how do you even judge what you like better? And like, it really, that really doesn't matter. So, yeah. 
And with movies, we've talked about context is really important. Like we said, like you you said, when you have most recently seen, it's important. When you saw it the first time is important. Where you were in your life when you saw it. Like, it's very hard to be objective about any of those things. Like, it's really, you know, and the best we, I think we can do is what we already said. Like, this is one of his best movies and clearly, you know, a, a classic, at least of the last 20 years, the last 10 years now, but I would say of the, of the 21st century, a real classic of that time. And, but yet still firmly a Tarantino movie, which is really cool. Like it, it was definitely a a really impressive turn of events. A little fun trivia for this, Andrew. I don't know if you knew either of these. Uh, Tarantino asked Adam Sandler to play the bear Jew, and Adam Sandler could not play the bear (laughs) Jew because of funny people. Which I think that's good. I again, Eli Roth is really good. Like I think Sandler would have been distracting in in a role like that. Agree. Agree, agree. And Tarantino also wanted to cast Simon Pegg as Archie Hickox, which is Michael Fassbender's character. But Simon Pegg yeah. had to drop out because he was doing Tintin, which <laughs> also great. I, lo- I like Simon Pegg for what he is, but that role is not a Simon Pegg role. That is a Michael Fassbender no. role. Uh, when you said Simon Pegg, I thought he was going for the Mike Myers character, to be honest with you, because that would have been much better. Much that would have been great. Though Mike Myers yeah. also really great in this, and the random, uh, you know... Yeah couple five minutes he's in yeah. there he's fantastic down with hitler is one of the great lines of this movie as well so all the way down so yes, yes, yes. really good stuff yeah. I'm, I'm glad mike mike myers surfaced for that and then you know i don't know what has happened to mike myers since then anyway. <laughs> that's a whole other pod that's a whole other podcast i think is to delve into the yes. last times of mike myers i don't know if we have the, the desire or the capacity to tackle that right now no, no, no. We could just watch the first Austin Powers movie and talk about that because that's a near perfect comedy. But um... I was just going to say, I was hoping you were going to say nice things about the first Austin Powers because I agree, it's tremendous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's outstanding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that about does it for our Inglorious Bastards episode. As we said, this is one of Tarantino's best. If you haven't seen it in a while, rent it, buy it, find it, watch it. With no hesitation, with no exaggeration, it's a masterpiece. It's terrific. Is the final scene accurate? Are BJ Novak and Brad Pitt telling the truth when they imply that this is Tarantino's best movie? That's up to you to decide, but you're going to love it no matter what. It really is something special, so we, we highly, highly recommend it. For more great content from Andrew and myself, go to inrealdeep.com. Subscribe to the In Real Deep podcast everywhere podcasts are delivered. We are coming up on the end of 2019. This has been a slightly blah year, to say the least, for feature films, but there's a few good things coming out. I know Andrew is going to start powering through some stuff. I just saw some really good stuff. I'm going to try and get some reviews up there. So if you like the written word, head to inrealdeep.com. Podcasts are there as well. Bunch of good stuff. Please go there. We would love to share all of our content with you. Andrew, thank you for joining us on this great, great episode. We will be back in a little while for more Tarantino. I hope you're ready for – we're coming to the tail end now. It's almost uh, it's almost bye-bye yeah. for, for Quentin's filmography. Yes. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna try and power through the last two before he releases another film. So I think <laughs> I think we'll. I thought you were gonna say we'll before the it. end of the year, which I feel like we have a. I think there's a non-zero chance we'll get through him by the end of the year. Do you think that that too? That too, but I mean, we we do have we. God knows how many Christmas movies are awaiting us here oh, in the next couple. Oh, that's right. So, oh, if you like Christmas uh, movies. In our archives, there's a bunch of them, and subscribe to the In Real Deep podcast because there's going to be a wealth of Christmas content coming your way. God, God help uh, us all when that happens. Oh, pl- I mean, plus we've got the Irishman coming, which I know you have already seen, which is a the Scorsese, but also ties into our our other long running 
series. So yeah, we've got we've got a lot of stuff to do here in the next uh, eight weeks or so. <laughs> so yes, we pre- so. now that you mention all of that, we'll almost certainly not get to the final two Tarantino movies yeah, in yeah, 2019. It's, it's, but miracles do happen. Who knows? You know, let's stick yeah. around. Either way, there's gonna be a lot of good content coming your direction. So enjoy all of that. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Thank you.